Welcome to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On with Janice Formicella. I'm Janice Formicella, a breakup coach passionate about supporting others to learn from their breakups, overcome loneliness, love being single, and see the end of a relationship as the beginning of a magical, sexy new chapter in life. I am here each week to share with you the tools that I have learned through my own painful breakups, through hitting rock bottom more than once, and through working with people all around the world to heal their broken hearts. If you are looking for hope and strength to move on from your breakup and resources to enjoy your new life, you are in the right place and I've got your back. Welcome to this week's episode, everyone. Today, I am sharing a juicy conversation with a first-time co-host, Christina Morelli, pronouns she and her. Christina is a relationship educator and personal coach working with individuals and people in partnership to create healthy, rewarding, fulfilling relationships. Her practice is all about fostering self-awareness and providing the relationship education and skills that were never taught. How cool is that? Christina believes that if we can heal our relationships, we can heal the world. And she is on a mission to play a role in doing so. She's also someone I'm so lucky to call a friend. Today, Christina and I are chatting about the tricky process of figuring out whether or not you are ready for a relationship and if the relationship is ready for you. I want you to pay close attention to the following. First, our chat about the neuroscience of the early days of a relationship. Second, conversations to have with yourself that will help you determine if you are ready to date. Next, five key chats to have with someone to determine compatibility. And if you are playing the breakups, broken hearts, and moving on drinking game today, the word of the episode is show notes. Please go show Christina some podcast love. You can find her at christinamorelli.com and on all social media platforms at Christina Morelli. Those are linked in the show notes. I hope you enjoy our chat. Hello, Christina. Welcome to Breakups, Broken Hearts, and Moving On. Hey, Janice. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. I've been looking forward to this. Am I ready for a relationship? This is a great topic for my listeners because a lot of people have somewhat recently come out of a relationship And knowing if you're ready to date again can be a bit tricky. I will refer people to the show notes because I did an episode probably like two years ago called, Am I Ready to Date Again? And so that's really for people who are going through breakups to kind of know whether Mm. or not their breakup is behind them. So go check that out. Today, we're going a little deeper into the actual components of a relationship and compatibility and and making sure that you're educated on all of this before you really get out there. 
But I thought it would be useful because so many of my listeners have gone through breakups recently to kind of quickly touch on as far as whether or not you're ready for a relationship. I think it would behoove us to ask people, are you past your ex? Are you over Mm. your last relationship? If you're listening to this podcast specifically, I would really like you to reflect on that. So I've got about four really big kind of hallmark ways to know. But I guess I'll ask you first, Christina, how I guess would you know personally or would you know if one of your clients was ready to date after a breakup that found them actually seeking support from a podcast? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. And it's such a it's such a needed topic of discussion because so many people do the whole rebound thing where they jump into something and they end up causing more pain to themselves or even other people. I think, and then there's the science of it takes three months for every year you've been with somebody to start actually giving yourself a timeline of being like, how long is this going to take? Because heartbreak is so, so painful. Yeah, It's the grieving. It brings people to their knees sometimes. Mm. And, you know, the, when you're in it, you're just like, when is this ever going to be over? A really good metric is how frequently you're thinking about this person and how long those thoughts are lasting for. So are you spending hours thinking about it? Does it pop up for five or 10 minutes? And then you go upon your day and you can complete an activity without thinking Mm -hmm. about this person or feeling the grief or heartbreak around it for an extended period of time. Another really big factor is, are you able to have your own life outside of that relationship? So are you able to do it without thinking of them? Are you making connections and they don't have to be romantic connections, right? Mm -hmm. So are you spending time with your friends? Are you doing all of the self-care that comes with helping yourself heal and making that your priority, not the priority of trying to get back with your ex or trying to think about how you messed up or they messed up or, you know, if you can fix it. So when it comes to what are you thinking about is a big determining factor on if you are in the healing process or just continuously opening that wound. And that is often determined by I'm prioritizing myself. I'm doing the things that feel good to me that are helping me in mentally, emotionally, physically, and starting to prioritize yourself because it's very easy in partnership to lose yourself and to be in when, when you were with them, be in an enmeshment. Yeah. And once you are out of that relationship, how many times have you heard that people lose their friends when they're in relationships because they spend all their time with their partner? And it's like, okay, well, am I rebuilding my community again? Am I rebuilding my own personal life again? Um, which if, if we, when you remind me, when we talk about conversations to have before getting into partnership, I, I want to touch on that point again. Yeah, great. And I also want to touch on a point in a couple minutes, something you said about self-actualization and having mm-hmm. your own life before you date. I have four key ways to know if you are getting over your last relationship and past your ex and therefore might be ready to date again. First of all, how often do you bring it up. 
And you I need yeah. to talk with your friends after a breakup. That's totally, totally normal. But I would say if you find yourself kind of finding ways to bring it up in conversations, talking about mm-hmm. it a lot, that you would be in more of the healing stages of a breakup and probably not ready to date again. And let's also just be real. If you're bringing it up with your friends constantly, you would stand the risk of bringing it up on a date and nobody wants that. <laughs> Another way to know that you might be getting over it. How much do you look at this person's social media? Mm-hmm. If you are still looking at their IG, you know, late at night, trying to find out what they're doing online, I would say again, you're still in the grieving or healing stages. And block and delete that shit, everyone. Block, delete that shit. Um, another one, how much acceptance do you have about the fact that this relationship wasn't right for you? Mm -hmm. If you are still really, really regretful that it didn't work out, if you are missing this person, if you are telling yourself that this was your one shot, if you're telling yourself that you're not going to connect with someone as well, Mm -hmm. you have not accepted that it ended because it wasn't working. And there's really not a lot of space for someone new. I would suggest. And last, how happy or excited are you about meeting someone new? If you feel Mm -hmm. that you are getting out there because you have to, or this is some sort of chore or obligation, or you're doing it because somehow you think this will magically make you feel better, I would also say there's some more healing to be done. Yeah. And to that point, if I may add, when you are, let's say you are thinking you're ready to date when you are dating, are you comparing these people to your ex? I think is a huge factor. Exactly. Exactly. A little Mm -hmm. bit, I think is normal, but when you're really finding that your experiences with dating are being overwhelmed by that, then definitely just step back. I mean, we don't have to date at all. (laughs) Wait (laughs) until you've done more, more healing. You're going to have a much better experience. Christina, you wanted to talk about about the concept of a threesome and not the type that I often talk about on this show. (laughs) The threesome of you, me, and the union. So what is this concept and what does it have to do with being ready for a relationship? So the idea is that in a monogamous relationship, there are people think that there's actually only two entities. There's you and then the partner. When really there's actually three entities. So I like to say how a couple is actually a threesome. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at it is, is that you are an autonomous human being with their own agency that deserves respect, care, commitment, prioritization. Your partner is its own entity. Again, same rules apply, but then you have the union, which I consider to be its own entity in itself. And the way to avoid codependency and enmeshment is by recognizing all three of these as their own individual entities working together in a really synchronistic way where you are choosing to be interdependent and fluidly working together versus being hyper-independent And now it's just all you or hyper codependent where now it's, I need this other person. And it also helps avoid like losing yourself within the relationship. So when you can recognize that you are your own human being, your partner is their own human being, and the union is its own entity that equally deserves the same respect, care, 
consideration and prioritization, then you can understand what it means to actually be in a healthy, functioning, successful, rewarding relationship where you're still able to take care of yourself. You're able to also take care of your partner and you're also able to take care of your union. Mm -hmm. And I guess, uh, and again, we'll talk more about this, but it, it starts with you being a whole person on, on your own first. Oh, I really like that. And what do you think are the components of a strong connection and how does that come into play with a single person knowing if they're ready or not? The reason why I bring up the components of a strong connection is because these are different aspects that you can think about whenever you are getting ready to enter into a relationship or if you are already in a relationship and you're like, something's just not balanced yeah. because there's so many things to, to consider when it comes to the different components, right? So there's a sense of care and interest that you have in yourself and also your partner. Even if you're not necessarily interested in their hobbies, you actually still show up for that conversation express some active listening and interest and care as to like, this is their own thing. And I support them in this and I want them to have this for themselves. Vulnerability is a huge aspect of a strong relationship. It means that you're able to speak freely without fear of rejection or judgment or criticism and vulnerability is one of the scariest things that we encounter in our life, even more so in our relationships, because we have that attachment and that bond with somebody. But when you are in a space where you can be fully vulnerable with somebody, that allows you to be your fullest expression of self, which there is, in my opinion, no better feeling than to be able to go to your partner and just be like, I'm having this thought and I was concerned about telling you because I don't know how you're going to react or maybe you want to share something that's really shameful. And once we can start opening up those doors and see, letting people see deeper inside of us, that really can help foster the trust that happens between two people. Oh, which is such a beautiful stage in a relationship when you know that you're building that. And it's a wonderful thing to have with someone. I think, though, that vulnerability has a lot to do with trust, but it also has a lot to do with your general communication skills. Yes. And I think that knowing whether or not you are a good communicator or knowing whether or not you are willing to try and be one <laughs> yeah. is a good way to know whether or not you are ready for a relationship and have the capability to be vulnerable in the first place. So mm -hmm. I, and this is something I have struggled with a lot, a lot more than I do now. I am a coach and I actually think that I'm pretty good at relationships, to be honest. Yeah. I actually find that I'm better communicating with my romantic partners than I am my friends. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like when I trust someone romantically that for some reason, I just find it safer and easier to be open about my feelings. And for some reason, I find that sometimes I have a block when it comes to talking about things that make me uncomfortable or upset with, with friends. With friends. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because I would think the opposite would actually be true for majority I, I of relationships. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a really good sign that you have a really strong, healthy, trusting, safe relationship where you can actually 
be able to express the things that maybe you're not so comfortable expressing to your friends. Yeah. I hear people say all the time, I'm more comfortable expressing vulnerabilities to strangers than I am to my own romantic partner. And I think a lot of it has to do with the emotional connection that you have, the opportunity for re- rejection that comes up. Um, so I wonder if for you, and, and I'll be curious to see what your thoughts are on it is, you know, is it because you have such a strong emotional connection that you feel safe enough to do it and that, you know, they're not going anywhere, right? There's a different level of commitment that happens between you and a romantic partner than you and a friend, like a friend can come and go as they please, not necessarily like you lose friendships, but I'm sure you have friends where you haven't talked to them for a year. And then when you do, it's like, you never missed any time together, but those aren't necessarily people that you're going to be sharing your innermost vulnerabilities with, because there are going to be times where you need that person to be available for you. And your partner is likely going to be way more available for you than a friend who you see once a month or you talk to, you know, twice a year, so on and so yeah, forth. Hopefully, hopefully at least. Hopefully. Um, yeah. So, I mean, full disclosure, I'm, I'm actually single right now, um, but I was in a relationship until a couple months ago. And I think mm-hmm. why I find it easier to communicate with partners is because I'm very deliberate. And, I'll, mm-hmm. and when I decide to be with someone, I really thought it through. And I think getting to the point where I really want to trust someone in that way, again, just makes me, makes me feel safe. And I suppose a bit empowered. The communication skills that go into how do I effectively communicate, get my point across, feel heard, seen, listened to those can be applied to anybody. So I'm really interested in why, why you are able to, maybe because you have the time to like do some thought work around what's going on before you communicate versus, you know, maybe with you, when you're with friends and somebody says something and you're like, Ooh, I didn't like that. You just don't have the time to process. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I also, um, also try to avoid any situations like that. Um, (laughs) again, I'll reference the show notes. I did it. I did an episode a few months back on nonviolent communication Mm -hmm. and we talked about how you can apply it in all aspects of your life so that you can apply it in relationships. So if you want to learn more about good communication, go and look at that. And then yes, if you're not in relationship right now, maybe, yeah, look at how comfortable you are expressing yourself to the customer service person, to your friends, to your family. The way that you interact with your immediate family is often the way that you will interact with a romantic partner. So how comfortable are you telling your mom that you don't want to do something or that she did something Mm -hmm. that upset you? The more comfortable you are with that, I would say you're probably going to be good in in a relationship. And I like what you said about starting small, you know, just testing it out, feeling safer in your own vulnerability without having to rely on someone else to be safe and vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right? So you can provide that own safety for yourself and still be vulnerable to people despite their reaction or response. And I really love what you said about how you are with your family. You are in your romantic relationships. That is golden because (laughs) there's so so much overlap. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about the neuroscience of relationship stages. I think that it is so important to be informed on this before you jump into a relationship, before you move in with someone, before you decide to be exclusive. So can you please walk us through this? I love to bring in science to break up broken hearts and moving on. So tell (laughs) us about this. 
Yeah. The reason why I think that this is one of the most important things people can learn is because it allows you to be more self-aware as to what stage you're in, in a relationship, how that impacts your decision-making and choices. And if it's the right time to make a commitment to somebody and also take all the things into consideration that it means to be in a relationship. So that way you're not jumping into a relationship too early. And then six months or a year later, you're like, we're not compatible or like this just isn't working. Mm -hmm. Um, so often the conversations exist of, Hey, I want to be, you know, exclusive or like, or do you want to be my girlfriend? Which sounds so elementary, but at the same time, it's still existing. And that's the extent of the conversation. And that's really unfortunate. And we'll talk more about the conversations, but so there's three different stages that we go through, right? There's lust, there is attraction, and then there's attachment. And these can actually actually be boiled down to infatuation versus love. But the first one I want to talk about is lust, right? So when you think about lust, it is this like, I'm so attracted to this person. Like I would be interested in making out with them or getting to know them. Or it's like that initial spark that happens is the lust aspect, right? So Mm -hmm. it's desire for sexual gratification. It's driven by our biological needs to reproduce. And the hormones that are typically triggered are testosterone and estrogen. So a big part of the three stages that we're going to talk about and the neuroscience behind it is the hormones that are being released within your body during these stages and how that actually impacts how you act, how the decisions you make. Um, So lust is that initial spark, right? So you're interested in somebody. um, It could also be something that ignites like a one night stand, for example, or casual sex. Especially when you're meeting someone in in person. I would say I've experienced this Mm -hmm. a lot more than friends that I've become lovers with or someone I've met online. Yes, absolutely. And then we move into attraction and attraction is like, okay, I'm starting to get to know this person. So essentially lust is like, I don't really know anything about this person. I just know I'm attracted to them. (laughs) And then attraction is, okay, I'm starting to get to know this person and I'm really starting to enjoy this time together. Now this typically happens within the first, we'll say three months, typically, um, and it, it triggers dopamine, neuropronephrine, which is adrenaline, and the serotonin aspects of our brain. And what that does is it triggers the reward behavior. So we're feeling really motivated. We're feeling really inspired. We're feeling really energized and excited and giddy and euphoric and all of those amazing feelings you feel like what people would call the honeymoon stage, which I refer to as new relationship energy. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is responsible for those exhilarating feelings in the first several months of your relationship. And oftentimes it's within that attraction stage where you have all of these hormones running through your body that people decide to commit because they're feeling so high on these hormones that are being released. But the problem with these hormones is it's a lot easier to ignore red flags Uh, you're essentially seeing your partner with rose colored glasses on. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't pick up on things or care to notice things that you likely know wouldn't be a compatible match for you because you're just so involved and ingrained or um, engrossed in these feelings that you're feeling around attraction. Yeah. I I went through this recently. I, I, we were together like seven or eight months, I guess. And yeah, afterwards Mm -hmm. I was like, 
why did I ignore all the times that I heard him lying <laughs> to so many people? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh-huh. I don't know if he lied to me, but I would hear him on the phone just completely making things up. And somehow oh my in my gosh. mind, I justified it. And looking back, yeah. like it was such a, you know, microcosm for how, you know, he showed up overall with so much yeah. dishonesty. But at the time, yeah, you rationalize it. And I, I liked what you said about feeling motivated because mm-hmm. I think both of us were kind of in this headspace of, you know, we really want to be, you know, the best that we can for each other. And it's a great yeah. feeling. So I, I get it for sure. Yeah. It's, it's an addictive feeling. It's one of the most addictive things that we can experience. And that's often why there's a lot of people who jump from relationship to relationship because they're constantly trying to refeel those feelings of new relationship energy. Um, or so many people are like, I just wanted to feel like we did at the beginning. There are things that you can do to, to spike those, but it's not going to be as simple or as easy or as I guess, natural, it would require effort. Mm -hmm. And that's also why it's so easy to have so much amazing fire sex at the beginning is because you have all of these amazing (laughs) hormones running through your body. Combine the two and yeah, yeah, it's a recipe for a lot of things. Bad decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Which is why I suggest people waiting to get to the third stage, which is attachment. Okay. So attachment, yeah. Attachment is essentially, I want to commit to this person for a long time. You're in a nesting mode, for example, or maybe you are like, I want to create a life with this person. Um, it, it does exist in romantic and platonic partnerships or relationships. Um, and it's a feeling of lasting love where the previous two stages are very temporary. They're very quickly ignited and quickly put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those hormones that are involved are oxytocin, which we know as the love or cuddle hormone, and then vasopressin. And what that does for us is it, it, it helps us start to make decisions around commitment. Like I'm going to do these things with, while considering your partner in those decisions that you're making, because now I have a life partner and want to do activities such as like live together or just even make it official. Mm -hmm. Um, you find yourself expressing that you want to be with them for a while. You feel a sense of security and stability, which oftentimes security and stability is the water that gets poured on that fire of passion because we know what to expect. And then it also allows you to plan for your future as well when you're in an attachment stage. And that typically happens around like six-ish months, I would say three to six months. So my biggest takeaway is if you are going to commit to somebody as a potential long-term partner, I'm not even talking about marriage, wait at least three months for those hormones to come down. So that way you can actually see the person for who they are and understand what at least to make an informed decision on if this is somebody you want to be with long-term now that those hormones have calmed down, you can see things more clearly. You can accept or not accept the person who they really are because that is somewhat blinded at the beginning. Yeah. I'm just thinking so much of my last relationship. And I mean, it's so true. I'm also um, always encouraging people to wait at least three months because Mm -hmm. as a coach, I'm just so aware of how this works. So it's really Mm -hmm. good to be informed about this before you get out there because getting attracted, getting lust for someone is such a wonderful part of being a human 
but there's a lot more to a relationship than that. And that is what we're going to talk about today. And then one more thing. So we've touched on this. You might know that you're ready to date or ready to be in a relationship. If you have a high level of self-actualization, this is really, really huge for me. I will again reference the show notes. Sarah Mack and I actually did an episode ages ago called self-discovery after a breakup. I'll link it in the show Mm. notes. And it was Mm -hmm. really, really great. We went into all these fun exercises and ways that you can know how well you know yourself and what you're about. And I think that this is absolutely crucial. If you've been through a breakup, you might actually have a lower level of self-actualization than you realize you do. And some people never really even get it, especially if you're so concerned about dating, so concerned about being in a relationship. This is why I work with a lot of people who just can't even stand the thought of a weekend alone because they wouldn't know how to spend the time. And that Mm -hmm. I would say is someone who doesn't really know themselves. Someone with a high level of self-actualization has hobbies, things that they do on their spare time, likes to go on solo dates, knows who they are, doesn't need someone else. What do you Mm -hmm. think about that? Yeah, I love that you bring this up because it makes me think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And have again, ever... I did an episode on that with Barry <laughs> Selby. I'm going to have so many episodes in the show notes. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And we yeah. actually came to the determination. The episode was Maslow's hierarchy of needs in relationships. And we came to the mm-hmm. de- or the realization that you don't really need some someone else. These are all things that you supply for yourself. And what I also really appreciate about self-actualization is the self-awareness aspect of it. So if you go to my website, the slogan says like good relationships equal or like rewarding relationship equals self-awareness. And the reason why I bring that up is because every time I start thinking through what my clients are going through or how to resolve it or how to establish the framework to handle certain circumstances, it all boils down to self-awareness. So many people talk about the two things that you need in a successful relationship is communication and compromise, but you can't have those if you're not self-aware enough to communicate what is going on. Or if you compromise on everything because you don't know what your boundaries are or because you don't have boundaries, then it's not going to be healthy and fulfilling long-term. Exactly. And when I think about communication, so many people communicate the symptoms, not the actual want or need. So for example, if you are feeling bad because your partner never puts their phone down when you're trying to talk to them and it's annoying you, right? And you say like, will you put your phone down? And then they're like, I I can hear you while I'm playing on my phone. It's like, and then you get even more irritated because they're not listening to you when really what could be helpful is being like, what do I actually need right now? I don't need them to put their phone down. I need to be prioritized. I need undivided attention. I need to be heard and know that this person heard me and understands what I'm trying to express right now. So when you can actually start stripping away those symptoms, you can understand the deeper self-awareness of like, what do I need in this moment? And actually communicate that to them. Because if you go to your partner and you're like, Hey, can I have your undivided attention for five minutes? That's going to be a way different conversation than can you put your phone down? So being able to have the self-awareness around it versus the symptoms. Yep. That's great. 
Um, yeah, I really, really like that. Ha- being able to communicate and have boundaries is an important part of a relationship and being able to be okay on your own will also mean that you'll be less likely to make poor decisions yes. when it comes to connecting with someone because you'll be able to walk away easier. We are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, everybody stay tuned because we're going to talk about how do you know someone is a compatible partner? Nothing shatters your life like a breakup. And the feeling of a broken heart is real. I know that it seems impossible right now, but there is hope and there are ways to heal. I would love to work with you one-on-one to heal your broken heart and put your breakup behind you. My personalized coaching programs are designed to pinpoint what will be most effective in helping you to move forward and make this breakup a part of your past. I believe in you. Message me at breakupspodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram at breakupspodcast. And let's connect about creating a magical plan of action to get this breakup in your rear view mirror. Um, all right. Welcome back. Are you ready to start? I am. <laughs> okay. Welcome I'm so back. ready. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We're getting into even juicier content now. How do you know someone is a compatible partner This is so important. This is something that I obsess about when I am with someone. And it's tricky. I kind of had this on again, off again thing with someone who I'm extremely attracted to. (laughs) And it's so hard because the chemistry is just like all the way. But our lifestyles just, ugh so frustrating but it's also something Mm -hmm. it's it's just true so let's Mm -hmm. talk about chemistry versus compatibility what do you think chemistry is christina yeah chemistry goes back to the neuroscience it's literally the chemistry of our body it's the hormones that are coursing through us that that we find other people attractive Mm -hmm. or we want to sleep with them or want to get to know them or (laughs) want to sleep with you (laughs) (laughs) right so i do think a huge part of chemistry is the actual hormones that are coursing through our body and it's our biological response to want to you know reproduce right so attach to somebody and hopefully create some type of relationship where we can reproduce um so i think chemistry is a lot of of hormones versus you know the actual compatibility is like the decision making the informed decision making does this actually match my lifestyle outside of just being attracted right. or sexually attracted or physically attracted to this person that is a key component don't get me wrong if you do not have that then that is also going to spell disaster for a romantic relationship um but yeah what are your thoughts I think that chemistry is the, yeah, the way that you feel around the person Mm -hmm. rather than how this person fits into what you can't see, which is the future and your long-term goals. And when it comes to chemistry as a breakup coach, I think a lot of people end up breaking up because the chemistry is there, but not the compatibility. Right. But that I hear people mistaking the two for each other. So I came up with a list of things that I hear people saying where I think that they're confusing the two. So for instance, the sex was great. 
that's obvious. You know, a lot of people like that's obviously chemistry. However, a lot of people tell me that they thought, you know, that the connection was there because the sex was so good. And Mm. that's fun to fun to unpack with people. (laughs) Um, Another another podcast. Yes. (laughs) Um, We could talk all night. I think people mistake this for compatibility, but Mm -hmm. really if you're actually sitting there talking all night, that's because you feel good being around each other. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's actually more chemistry. Um, I never felt comfortable so quickly. Again, that's because you feel good around them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We had Mm -hmm. such a blast together. If you have that much chemistry, of course, you're going to have fun. My family thought he was great. Well, they had chemistry with them too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? They made him feel good. He made yeah. him feel good. Yeah. And I hear people saying, you know, that they just they did so much for this person, and they wanted to mm. do so much for this person. Um, mm-hmm. And again, if you're wooing somebody, you know, it's because you're feeling feeling that in the beginning. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why so many people are on their best behavior in the beginning, and that's why so many people are disappointed later in their relationships when they're like, he "Doesn't take me on dates anymore," or yeah. "Doesn't buy me flowers," or "She doesn't want to give me blowjobs anymore," or <laughs> yeah. whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Like, you're so inspired to do that at the beginning because of. And what I love so much about what you said about the way somebody makes you feel versus like, do they actually fit into my life? And that's actually gonna be part of the the five key conversations is, is really knowing, do I like this person for who they are as their own individual self? Or do I like the way that they make me feel and the things that they do for me? Oh, I can't wait to hear about these. This is going to be brand new for me. To me, it's so much more than intimacy, passion, and commitment. It's also like, do our lives line up? right? Do Mm -hmm. our values line up? Do we have the same goals or same sexual desires? Or am I going, is there going to be any part of my life essentially where I'm going to feel any form of like disappointment or resentment that it's not being fulfilled by my partner? And if it's not being fulfilled by my partner, are they things that I can get elsewhere, like through community or friendships or my family? So if you're like, I really love physical affection, but my partner is uncomfortable with it for some reason, then maybe you have a fist, you can go to your family and know that you can get really warm hugs or go to your friends and know that they'll rub your back if you're upset about something, if that's just not something that resides in your relationship. But it's really, I think, to me, much more detailed than the intimacy, passion, and commitment. And having just gone through a breakup with someone where I thought I really did have all three, and then Mm -hmm. at the end, kind of realizing that that things had changed. And I think that when you are in the first three to six months of a relationship, that probably a lot of people think they have all three. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then the more that you get to know each other and the more that you settle into the relationship, you kind of find out that maybe you were wrong or maybe that things were just kind of all emotions or or hormones or chemistry and that you kind of thought Mm -hmm. that or various reasons. And that's why, again, go slow and be prepared that, that that it might not last. Is this where these five key conversations come in? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So the five key conversations is, again, there's more than five conversations, but if I were to have to choose five conversations that you have with yourself, or at least get very, very clear with yourself, again, this goes back to self-awareness, the more clear you're able to be with yourself, 
And a huge part of not, of also being clear with yourself is giving yourself permission to accept, acknowledge, and say out loud things that maybe are not socially acceptable or or acceptable within your family. And you're like, but I want that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now because of the upbringing, there's some shame around it. So you're like, I'm not even going to go down that path because there is an innate fear that with shame and expectations, if we don't meet those, then we are exiled from our family, right? Or ostracized. Huh. So it's yeah. very much a biological response to to keep shame within ourselves. If I could say with anything, with these five questions, let's say you use them as a journal prompt or a thought prompt. Everyone get a pen and paper right now because we're going to be talking about five conversations to have with yourself before committing to a relationship. Oh, this sounds so juicy. And this is also another way to get more self-actualized and get, I think, clear on what you want. After my last relationship ended, I did some journaling and you started making like a brand new damn list of things that I might want if I perhaps had another relationship. And I actually realized that some of the things that I now realize that I wanted were things that maybe are not typical and maybe are things that some people might not want to just ad- admit to anybody, but I just realized mm-hmm. there's certain things that I know are important to me, you know, especially with yeah. someone like with financial stability is just, I'm not going to bend on that at all yeah. in the future. And there's more yeah. details about exactly what that looks like to me, but I just yeah. had to get real and not everyone yes. would probably admit how important that is to them. But I know for me now that it's a complete deal breaker. Yeah. So absolutely get, yeah. Like I said, get your pen and paper. Let's get into this. Yeah. So the first one I want to say is your lifestyle. So being aligned in your lifestyle will help both of you connect, retain a sense of self as well. Going back to the couples make a threesome, because when you have to give up things that are important to you to maintain someone else's preferred lifestyle or the relationship, it's really easy to lose yourself in that partnership, which is ultimately going to result in resentment or feeling lost and most likely going to end the relationship eventually because those things that you suppress that keep resurfacing are eventually going to eat away at you enough where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't even know who I am. Yeah. So different aspects to consider about lifestyle. First, to understand these aspects about yourself, right? So what are your spending habits and what do you want to be able to spend? What lifestyle do you have right now and what lifestyle do you want? Mm -hmm. So if you are living in an apartment and you're like, I know I want to live in a mansion one day to make it superficial. (laughs) Um, I mean, that could actually be something that's important to someone for for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There is no shame in it. Right. And I mean, there's even aspects of, of people who are so conditioned to want to be in a monogamous relationship when they're like, this just doesn't fit my soul. And there's definitely alternative types of relationships that people have. They're just not talked about or deeply shamed or misunderstood. So there's so many different aspects of the lifestyle, right? So um, how do you want to spend time together? How often do you want to spend time together? Um, What is your lifestyle around health? Do you prioritize your fitness and health or do you not give a shit because you would rather be focusing on volunteering and helping other people? What is your work lifestyle? If you are so committed to your career and your partner wants you home all the time, that's just not going to work. How do you like to play? 
right? Are you somebody who's playful? Does playing look like playing board games or does playing look like going out and playing sports or playing pranks or, you know, like there's just, what are your friends look like, right? Do you have a large group of friends? Are you an introvert? So how do you like to spend your time or how do you like to connect with a potential partner or people you care about? Um, How do you like to spend your downtime? In addition to that is your lifestyle with your family, right? It's really hard to be in a relationship with somebody who has extremely strong ties and family values with someone who may be estranged from their family. There's a lot of misunderstanding that can happen. Mm -hmm. And And, I mean, that's actually my situation. And I would love not to be in this situation, but I am. And I have to say it would be very challenging for me to be with someone who hung out with their family all the time, who did lots of things together, who would expect me to participate because Mm -hmm. that's not something I have. And it's therefore something that's grown decreasingly important to me. And I guess I wouldn't want that pressure. And also the past couple guys who I've dated did have very limited time with their family. And we both, and we related over that and yeah, it made sense to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can go down a lot of different lanes with, you know, you're just like your lifestyle in general. Um, Another thing that's really important to know is do you have similar interests with this person and hobbies that you can enjoy? That doesn't mean you have to do all of the hobbies and interests with this person, but if your partner loves, this is something I personally experienced with a previous partner is he loved going out to breweries. I do. I don't drink. I don't like beer. I'm not a huge fan of alcohol in general. Um, It doesn't make me feel good. So I had a partner who any social interaction they wanted to do, they wanted to go out drinking and, <laughs> See, and that's or me. go I to could, a brewery. And I could never be with someone who doesn't drink. <laughs> right. There you but go. Also, I totally right. know that. And I would not. I mean, I definitely, that would also be a deal breaker for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You both want to be able to enjoy your time and do things from a place of freedom, not a place of obligation. Because yeah, cool. obligation breeds resentment, which then mm-hmm. breeds to entitlement where freedom actually supports a sense of appreciation and gratitude, which then puts people in a place of like, I just want to give to you. Like, I'm so appreciative of you. I just want to like, right. So there's the negative cycle versus the the more positive cycle that can happen. So, so that's the first one. Okay. So the question would be, what is my lifestyle or what is important to me about lifestyle? Yeah. So understanding what your lifestyle is currently Mm -hmm. and then knowing what type of lifestyle you want to have in the future, especially when it comes to your life vision and goals, which is actually question number two. (laughs) Okay, great. So question number two, life vision and goals. Do you have the same vision and goals as the person you're dating? or potentially going to date, right? So if you are someone who's extremely motivated and ambitious and have really big goals and your partner isn't, that is going to cause a huge divide and resentment between the two of you. Yeah. Um, This is also going to really determine if as you're progressing on your path forward in your relationship, are you going in the same direction together as a team? And, or are you moving in different directions mm-hmm. and causing distance between the two of you? So many times with like people who are in long-term relationships talk about how they have lost connection. It's actually like, I fell out of love with this person. It's actually one of the number one reasons why people separate or get divorced is because they just don't have 
the same vision, goals, or interests to want to stay connected. And they're finding that gratification outside of the relationship. And I also think uh, whether or not you're in a relationship, it helps to know what your vision and goals are before you start dating so that you can express that. And so, you know, if someone's compatible with you, so let's just be really, really honest. And the more honest you are, the more likely you are to attract it and to manifest it. So number one, what is my lifestyle? Number two, what is my, what are my goals and vision? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And a part of the goals being envisioned is like, do I want children? Do I want to get married? Right. The typical conversations that people have to establish if they're compatible, which is not enough. Mm, (laughs) Right. It's way more than marriage and children, but it's like, what do I want in my life? I think another really important aspect of this that goes even deeper is what are things that I know I want to achieve outside of my relationship? Like understanding what life, what your life vision and goals are together as partners, and then also what your own personal goals are. Being able to express that to a potential partner to see if that's something that they are going to support and encourage you to do, right? So understanding both, again, you as an individual, your partnership as its own entity, and then your partner as well. And as much as you're going to be answering these questions for yourself, now that you have these answers, you can actually lead the conversation and get the other person or like give them space to be able to answer these questions themselves. So then you can come together and actually have a really beautiful, productive conversation about like, is this even possible? I I did this with my current partner. We spent two hours talking about it. And over the course of a week, we kept coming back and changing things and being like, okay, well, I want to add this now because you said this. And we just talked about so much because I was like, I am not going to get in another partnership and not go into it as an informed making an informed decision. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a big part of conscious partnership, but I try to stay away from the term because so many people are like, oh, oh it's woo-woo. Oh, I don't <laughs> care. Like, it's not I don't woo-woo. see how intention is woo-woo, but... Right. What? It's because consciousness yes. and meditation oh. and all, right? So, and to your point about intention, like that is the number one thing that's going to make your relationship work outside of having your own self-awareness is the intention you are putting into every interaction, every conversation you're having. And I know it sounds like a lot of work and it it is effort and it is work, but it doesn't have to be hard. It can be really pleasurable experience for both of you because you're evolving and growing together. Um, number three is your values. This is really important, obviously. Mm-hmm. So do you both have overall similar life values um, regarding what's important? Um, what does that look like to each of you? What are the aspects of your personal values that you want to consider? And those could be like, how do we treat people? So if I go on a date with someone and they're rude to a server or a waiter, I'm not dating you. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I want to know where all these people are. People use this as an example kind of a lot. And so anyone listening, if you have a story or an example of where you were on a date and someone did this, please, please DM me and let me know. Because I kind of feel like this isn't something I see that often, but a lot of people mm-hmm. say, use this as a red flag in a relationship is how the person treats the wait staff or the server. So please, yeah. I'd love to hear your I mean, stories. it could even look like how much they tip them, right? If somebody tips somebody 10% and you're like, that doesn't line up to my values. (laughs) It's all the small nuances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So how to treat people. Um, What are your 
priorities, right? Do I prioritize my family? Do I prioritize my relationship? Do I prioritize my career? So what do you value in your life? The next one is understanding your life purpose. And that's, I know, a huge question. And like how many people actually can say they know what their life purpose is. But it is really important to actually, yeah, I was to say me too, yeah, <laughs> is understanding your life purpose. Like, what is your calling? What is important to you? What gives you a sense of purpose? How about that? Instead of what is your life's purpose? Because that feels like a lot of pressure. What gives you a sense of purpose? And then start to go down that path. Um, what are your personal philosophies on life? I think this is a really fun topic to talk about. Hmm. Okay. That would yeah. probably be something that I don't think I would know as much. Um, so I'm yeah. going to think about that. Okay. Philosophies yeah. about life. Okay. Philosophies <laughs> on life. Yeah. Relationship values, mm-hmm. right? So what do you value in a relationship? Do you value a more transactional type of relationship where it's like, I help you, you help me. Do you value physical intimacy? Do you value being able to count on somebody to be there for you in your relationship? So what are your relationship values, family values, This also plays a big role in how, if you both decide based off of the previous question that you want to have children, what are the values I would want to instill in my children? And do those align to my partner's values? Because one of the number one things I hear in couples who have children is like, I say one thing and then my partner does another when it comes to the kids or like, I'm trying to discipline them, but then they let them off the hook. So now I'm the bad guy and we're not on the same team. So understanding how to raise children collectively as a team is really important. Um, What are your work values? Some people prefer more money. Some people prefer more free time. I'm somebody who prefers more free time than I do money. And then how do you value time and money Mm -hmm. is also really important. And these are just some examples. There's so many more we could go through. So the first one is what lifestyle do you want? What lifestyle does your partner want? And is it compatible? What are your life vision goals? And what are your partner's life vision and goals? And again, are those compatible and aligned? What are your values and just overall life values? Number four is we both have our own lives and can balance them with our relationship. Okay. Do you have a solid group of friends, activities, and personal goals that you're not willing to give up or let go of, even though you're in relationship? And making that commitment ahead of time is really important. And then last but not least is you like the person for who they are, not what they provide you or how they make you feel. Mm -hmm. So a big part of that is in the moments where you're like, I can't even stand to listen to you breathe right now. Mm -hmm. You are still able to be like, I like this human being as they're as themselves outside of me and outside of our relationship. And I could be like, I love how honest they are. I love how much they care for other humans. Right. So it, the liking versus loving, that's the difference. It's easy to love somebody. It's hard to like someone. Oftentimes we get into relationships because of the way they make us feel to your point earlier about chemistry versus actually liking them for the person that they are, which helps sustain the friendship and compatibility and connection and commitment throughout the relationship. Yeah. And I also think that that's another reason relationships fall apart after the honeymoon is that you've gotten to know more what the person is about. And the truth is sometimes you find out that you don't really like that person. Thank you so much for all of that. How great, Christina, part of your work in your coaching is creating a relationship blueprint. 
Yes. So can you tell us what that means and yeah. then how you do it? Yeah, absolutely. So think of a blueprint for a house, right, that you build. It's the design, it's the infrastructure, it tells you the tools that you need, the resources that you need to build this house the way you want it. So the relationship blueprint is all about designing your dream relationship and making it your reality because now you actually have a blueprint that you can come back to and refer back to and a huge part of that is giving the framework for what a really healthy, successful relationship looks like and what goes into it. So the types of conversations you should have, frameworks around how to handle conflict, frameworks around compatibility, around your own self-actualization as well. And then what you get to do is build that foundation have the studs up, have the walls up. And then, so it's essentially creating an outline that you get to decorate however you want. So when you think about building your house, right? You The blueprint will give you the house that you want, and then you get to color in those lines and add it, make it as eclectic, as funky as you want, or as traditional as you want. Um, so the whole point of the relationship blueprint is to provide relationship education, to increase the relationship, your relationship and emotional IQ, give you the tools that you need and the exercises that you need to know who you want to be as a partner, which I think is even more important than knowing who you want and what you what you want in a partner. Because when you understand who you want to be as a partner, that sets the standards for who you're going to accept in your life and who you're going to accept in your life will have no choice but to meet you at that level. And then what you want your partnership to look like. And then last but not least is what you want in a partner. In addition to the relationship blueprint, I am actually going to be launching a bunch of like short relationship trainings online, probably about an hour long. So if anybody ever just wants to learn like how to stop people pleasing or how do I increase my pleasure or how do I resolve conflict? How do I do emotional regulation? I'm going to be coming up with a bunch of online on-demand accessible trainings for people. Great. So can you let us know once again what the website is? Yes. My website is christinamorellicoaching.com. You can find me on any social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and it's always at Christina Morelli Coaching. Fantastic. And of course, we've both got, you know, sexy Italian names. So I will be linking in the show notes so that it's easier to find both of us, really. I think um, if yes. you don't want to go to Instagram and look up Janice Formicella after listening to this, um, just click in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> um, Christina, this has been so revelatory in many ways and kind of therapeutic for me personally <laughs> having I would say I'm definitely over my breakup over the relationship definitely glad that things ended it was a really hard last couple of months but I'm kind of now I guess kind of in the processing stage now that you know mm. I have a lot I have other men in my life and so I'm still processing what happened in a very reflective, positive way. And this is actually helping me do so. And you've given me a lot of food for thought. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me and sharing your wisdom as well and offering these services to people. It is so needed. I really, really believe, which is why this is my purpose, my calling, my passion, my mission, is that relationships can heal our deepest wounds. And if we can just 
learn how to do it right, then we can, I believe, heal the world. I think <laughs> it's a big so statement, too. but <laughs> I think if I can help people to not only get over their breakup, but actually use it as a catalyst for yes. a new beginning and for deciding what you really want in life and making it happen, that yeah, again, it has a snowball effect. And I would definitely yeah. say breakup coaching is a big part of my purpose. Yeah. Christina and I are both working one-on-one -on -one with people. Christina also works with couples, which is something I don't do, which I think is so badass. So go and check us both out. If you think you might want some one-on-one -on -one support, healing your breakup, dating again, healing or improving your relationship, etc. All the information is in the show notes as I, I think that's going to be the, uh, the word of the episode. I'm kind of doing this new shout word outs. of the episode thing. <laughs> I've done it in the last few and I think show notes is the word of the episode today. That's so funny. <laughs> I hope nobody was drinking and driving, but that you enjoyed your show notes shots. Well, we'll see everybody next week. I think that this about about does it. So thank you again for being here. And everybody, if you like this episode, please leave me a five-star rating and review. I'm collecting them this year, and it's so fun to hear yes. from you. And otherwise, I'll see you next week. I'm sending you so much strength if you're listening to this because you're going through a breakup. I know that you've got this. Hang in there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>